We are recording this podcast the day after Daylight Savings. Seth, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Steph. It's <laughs> such a pleasure being here. I just asked and I have to still giggle. I said, Seth, do you feel impacted by Daylight Savings? And what did you say? Well, my, I said no, because that's what's true today. And last night it felt long. I actually had more time last night to do our nighttime routine and dinner. I felt like mm. I was time rich. Mm. Beautiful. You know, of the many things I love about you, your ability to have a above the line perspective on situations at the flip of a switch, it feels so natural to you that it doesn't even phase your frontal cortex that there could be a deficit or a lack is so incredible. You are time abundant, you are time rich. And I want to share that I had a slightly different experience (laughs) (laughs) that I thought I was waking up so early. And you know, the thing that felt off for me was eating. I was like, what time is it? Like I'm hungry, but the time doesn't feel quite right to consume something. I just felt confused. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Look at a time and then know like, oh, I usually am hungry at this time. Like things can feel a little bit off. And then I think I just have less of a hiccup and then go with it. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I was having this conversation with someone on the weekend who shared, you know, because there is conversation around, do we keep or delete daylight savings time? And what is the impact to whom should we keep it or not. And one of the interesting pieces for the place and space in the world that you and I live, if we didn't change the clocks, it wouldn't get light out until like 9 20 AM. Like (laughs) it would be dark in the morning for a significant amount of time. And instead we exchange that for longer evenings. And that's just it. I think the sun is meant to set at 4 40 today. So yeah, the kids are going to come home from school and shortly thereafter, it will be dark. I had a neat conversation with them. Just a side note, we went for a walk this weekend with the kids and it was dark and it was still only around six o'clock, which we know in, you know, yeah. Vancouver, North Van, where of BC, it's dark. And yeah. I said, you know, there is a world mm-hmm. where people rise when it's light yeah. and go to sleep when it's dark, right? The yeah. circadian rhythm. And you eat, you know, when you're hungry, Hungry. you rest. So you like, you follow the sun and the moon Mm -hmm. and that's natural. And however, the world isn't set up that way. So we have to kind of force ourselves to change a bit. Yeah. Does that make any sense? You know what I mean? Like you have to like, totally school still at this time. Work is still at this time. Right. How do your kids respond to that kind of conversation? Is there any friction? I love it. No, they're like, oh, you just like seeing different perspectives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted this podcast to be about our relationship with time because it feels timely after we move the clocks back an hour. What's your relationship with time? And in preparation, I was listening to actually a podcast that Seth Godin did 
about time. And he released this a couple of weeks ago, yet it felt so relevant to this call and exactly what you just said, that really once upon a time, all things time was manufactured. You know, there wasn't an alarm clock. He was sharing the perspective that we had to start keeping track of time so that you knew when the train was going to make it from one village to the next village. And then you could count on when that train would be there. And somewhere in there, we created, these were the hours you sleep and these are the hours you work. And then came alarm clocks. And then came the, dare I say, like commoditization of sleep, of you must sleep for this many hours at this time. And to your point, like what is the benefit to having a circadian rhythm that's sun and moon? I think it's so fascinating. So I'm going to start there with you and say, what's your relationship with an alarm clock? I don't have one. Say more. Just, well, okay. So I don't have one. Peter has one on his side, right? Does he set the alarm for you? Yeah. Okay. If I need to be up early to teach or whatever it is, early morning. Otherwise, most of the time, I wake up when I wake up. Got it. And this is fascinating to me because to know you is to know you're never late in the morning and you really cherish your mornings. You get more done in the morning than most people I know. And so is your body just ready to wake up? Well, you know, it's interesting at night when I go to bed, I know what I need to get done in the morning. I know what the day looks like somewhat in the morning. And so if it's a morning that I need to get up early, I put my clothes out at night. I'll go to bed early because Mm -hmm. I know I need to wake up earlier. I don't eat. So I won't eat late at night if I know I need to wake up early, because if I have food in my belly, my body will want to sleep longer in the morning. Yeah. Cause it's just, I don't get as peaceful sleep. I haven't digested. And then my body is sluggish. And then I like mentally just tell myself, oh yeah, tomorrow's an early morning here. I just know what I need to do. And then I, when I wake up, it's just like, I've already set myself up. Yeah. The days that I know I get to sleep in. Yeah. I actually sleep in. So typically a Saturday or a Sunday, I know nine o'clock is my jam. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I will look, I'll look at, you know, I'll wake up and go, oh, it's 8.30. I'm going to, you know, just take my time. Beautiful. So I don't know. It's yeah. like maybe been a practice for a while. Yeah. This is magic. It's magic because I don't know many people that can be excellent morning people and sleep in, you know? So it's like, you are so in tune with your body. And I think that your family's on a beautiful rhythm that you're able to wake up and it's quiet, you're able to sleep and it stays quiet. It's that relationship with what are the conditions needed for you to sleep and for everyone to rest. And there's a million and one hacks of how to wake up early and and what does it mean? And I think the greatest hack of all is how do you want to feel in the morning? And if you feel best waking up at 8.30 or 9.00, how do you do that more often? It's powerful that you don't have an alarm clock. It's powerful that you're able to wake up when you do. And if you want to wake up early, then lay your clothes out, be ready, be ready for waking up in the dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I need to share that I really love early mornings and I thought that you like wake up, open your eyes and get to it, like go. And I was like, no, I need to like open my eyes and take a minute, brush my teeth, maybe make coffee, maybe make my AG1, you know, like roll into it. And if that means I wake up earlier in order to be ready for whatever time, that feels really right. So I have to say that with this time change, I am relishing it. It's like I got an extra hour. I have a bonus hour before the day begins. And I am like really into this bonus hour. What are you doing with your bonus hour? Well, whatever I want. It feels like the hour that I don't look at like the to-do list. So, you know, last week you were sharing, you woke up and meditated. And I was like, yeah, let's try that on. And this morning I did my nails. (laughs) (laughs) Self-care. It was like, it's dark. Yeah. It's very quiet. Bernie's still snoozing away. It's like, he's like, it's too early. I don't want to get up yet. So it's a really beautiful thing. And that's my next question for you is bonus time. Because I think that while you feel time abundant, I don't know that everyone has that perspective. And I think this first step to feeling time abundant is to realize right now you're one hour abundant. You have one extra hour. And so I want to know how you would spend your one extra bonus hour in the morning. Well, you know, it's funny as when you just asked that, I kind of flashed through a a lot of different thoughts. And one thing that I will share is when we get time, sometimes we freak out and then don't know what to do. And the the time, like 60 minutes is wasted. And you're like, shoot, why did I do that with it? And so what I like to do is write down, you know, and this is in also a version of it in our manager essentials program, like how to be your best self. So if we wrote down a list in our journals today or notebooks, what would you do with five minutes? What would you do with 10? What would you do with 30? What would you do with 60? What would you do with the whole day? So we already have thoughts of like, oh, this is what I would do. And the thing that I also tell people and clients and my kid, everyone that I can is not everything needs to be, I have to do 60 minutes or I don't do it. Mm. You know, I have to do, so I used to meditate for 30 minutes. Now I don't. Mm. Now I meditate for five minutes. And if I can at two, I will feel so grounded and successful. So what I would do, what I have been doing is I will wake up slowly now, slower than I have. I do my coffee. So I know that I will have coffee and then I go meditate while it's like, you know, brewing and then I'll go get my coffee. And then what I do in my 60 minutes is I do want to go for a walk. I just don't know if I do it right away. Yeah. I want to go in the woods. I just don't know. I like to go and like clear my mind. I like to check what's going on in the world, in my inbox. Yeah our blogs. Like I like to see what the world is dishing out, not news. I don't watch. I don't listen to the news. (laughs) You know that. (laughs) And then I'm reading a couple good books. So I always bring those close with me. Yeah. And then I go for a walk in the woods. Get outside. Okay. So that was so beautiful. It's the perfect segue because I was going to say, you know, we go from a bonus hour to your time abundant mindset 
And it's a really beautiful skill, Seth. It's a beautiful quality or trait that you have to see time and have a relationship with time the way you do. It's not right or wrong. Whether you meditate for two minutes, five minutes, or 60 minutes, it doesn't matter. And I think you said something really powerful about writing things down. It's getting the subconscious thoughts out onto paper. And it feels like, I don't know if this is true. This is definitely not grounded in science. For me, as soon as it comes from my brain out to a pen, not a computer, but like pen to notebook, it feels like it's 50% of the way done. It's like, I just gave myself 50% of the effort to get it out. And now what's left of that. And so I want you to riff a little bit more for us on your construct around if you have 60 minutes or five minutes, it's like, do you have a little list going of like, oh, I have five minutes to spare. This is what I'll do. Or is it still in your subconscious? How do you map that out? Well, you know, the first thing is, is sometimes when we're asked big questions or when we ask ourselves big questions, like about ourselves, we're so good at like other things, not on ourselves. But if you ask anything about yourself, what do you like to do? What would you do if you had 60 minutes? Yeah. It's like sometimes a block, like a yes. wall comes up. It's like, I don't even know. What do I like? Yeah. Who am I? What do yeah. I? Like? And so if we can start this process before we get those 60 minutes, the right. hard work is actually done. Then yes. yes, go to your list and you go, oh, that, you know, when I was pregnant with Bodie 11 years ago, the one thing our midwives told us was make a list of a hundred things you want to do to pass time. And that was the best list we've ever made as a couple, because we got to go, what do you like? What do you, how do you like to spend your time? And, you know, it kind of set up the foundation of our relationship because we learned that we like to puzzle. So now we have like puzzles anytime, you know, we like to do it up podcast, Netflix, whatever. So that's a good question. What do you like to do if you want to pass some time? Wait, is the midwife asking you this? While like assuming while you're in labor, you're going to need things to do to pass time or where's the or that's the origin of that question. Because she said you might have 24 to 48 hours where you're just going to be inside, not going anywhere. You can use it for the COVID. Like, what do you want to do when you want to pass time? Anytime. Yes. At an airport, if there's a delay. Yes. So wait, this is very excellent. The exercise is a hundred different activities that you would do to pass time. And what I hear is you could do this with a partner and see how do you come together? And is it like 50 and 50? Is it a hundred things that you like doing together? That is so excellent. Okay. So 11 years ago, you're just going to pull the like habits, right? But if you go that big, you might only come up with 20, but at least you went big, you know? Yeah. 20 is big. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So you did this exercise 11 years ago. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would just say, so have a a short list, a long list of like things that you want to do that serve you so that when you are faced with it, you don't get frozen. Mm. Like people typically do in when you do any personal development, right? Mm. If someone says, what are your passions? That's a huge question. And it, you can Mm. freeze. Mm. you know what's your purpose what do you it's like no 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 mm. yeah. just write down some activities that bring you some fulfillment or joy yeah. or feel like it's special what would be yes. special for you to do today yeah 
Oh, I love that, Sess. Well, I wrote a list and it's really funny because here in Squamish, it's going to get really cold this week. And I thought, what are some things that I will be excited to do inside in a way it's like sort of taking the weather out of the equation. It's like, okay, so my relationship with mornings is a little bit slower. My relationship with the time changes to your point, like it's darker in the evenings. And I just am so mindful of the seasonality change and how quickly it's changed from feeling summer and light to cold, dark, and goodness gracious, like we have a season change. So I wrote a little list on the fridge and the list on the fridge is preserve red onions. I just love pickling red onions. And it feels like something that you do for like a salad in December, just like get, get some jars of red onions pickled. And I have these two beautiful squashes that came from friends gardens. And if you wait to cook or bake a squash until mealtime, it takes way too long. And it's like, an experience that I just don't love. It's really tough and hard. And so I pre-baked my squash and then you let it cool and then you clean it out and then you bake it again. And I was like, wow, what a time rich activity to pre-bake your squash, let it be easy. And so this notion of time or relationship with time is like, what can you do now that like even this evening you'll be better for? Or by Friday, like what would it look like if you could do something today that by Friday you would be, I want to say proud of, but even just satiated, satisfied, worked your brain in like a new little way. And I didn't know the podcast was going to go in this direction yet. What I want to offer is I think our relationship with time comes down to how much we love ourselves Mm. and a relationship with self-love. And it took me asking a lot of questions and journaling, reading to really uncover that because I think the notion of procrastinating is at the root, a notion of self-loathing or putting off self. And the idea of not doing something right now with this precious moment, precious, like one minute, what a gift you're given 60 extra minutes. How could you love yourself enough to spend those 60 minutes, not in distraction, not in avoidance, not in sort of made up busyness in like something so intentional, like putting the border of a puzzle together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious your thoughts on the act, the beautiful disruptive act of self-love and your relationship with time. I just want to make sure I write that down. The act of self-love and time. Uh, You know, when you were saying that, I just thought sometimes it's about not doing anything Mm -hmm. and that could be the most compassionate thing. Mm. Like just keeping your robe on and your slippers on. Mm. And like I, the other night watched the moon and the clouds and I was like, just in awe of how fast the clouds were moving. It was the windy night where our power went out And it was so neat to see the sky so clear Mm -hmm. and then watch the clouds come right over. And I, you know, when's the last time we stopped to just, and I was like, is that a stop? Like I wanted a telescope. 
Mm. So sometimes it's about not doing and the self-love can come in by not having the the negative self-talk. So two things is like, it's all exactly as it should be is one of Mm. my beliefs. Mm. It's all exactly as it should be. Mm -hmm. No one's counting on me right now. There's no rush. And then the other one is the mantra. I think it's from Louise Hay, one of her books. Mm. And it's around, there is time is capital. There is time for things and people I love. Mm. And so that's just anytime we're rushing around, like Alice in Wonderland with the Mad Hatter and the clock and the rabbit, you know, time. It's like, wait a second, there is time. So if, you know, I ever catch myself or hear or coach people when we're like, there is no time. I want to do this, but there is like, anytime the mantra is there is no time, we just switch it to there's always time for things and people and places that we love, like mm-hmm. that are important. Mm-hmm. Because when we say there's no time, you actually have a ton of time, but your priorities mm-hmm. are in a place where maybe you don't want them to be. So they're just mm-hmm. a bit mixed up. Yeah. Or sorry to rant about this. Keep going. There's just no choice. So sometimes mm-hmm. when we say there is no time, I have no, t- I have no time. It's actually, mm-hmm. let's just say not true at all. There's tons of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's how do you choose to spend it? Or how do you feel that people are telling you to choose to spend it? Like, where do you feel like there's no time and you're mm-hmm. not in choice? So mm-hmm. that's where we have to break free from. Yes. Beautiful. I think there's no better place to wrap this podcast. We will plug Louise Hay. I love her. I, I love her for our relationship with our bodies and for mantras and reminders that we need all the time all the time. And I think that the nugget I would want to leave with is while there is a season right now of more dark than light, may that not take away the choice that even in the darkness, we can spend time in a really beautiful, warm, cozy way. So, you know, I hope everyone makes time to bake a squash before dinner and put on your robe and look at the stars because that is something pretty special every single day. Oh, I'm going to ask you and I to add our five favorite ways to spend time. And hopefully that will help kickstart our listeners to their list of a hundred. So we'll offer 10 and let's go for a hundred. It's such a beautiful exercise. And I love your perspective on time so much. And the spoiler that I want to tell everyone is that when you have the perspective that Seth has, that time is abundant, it cannot not infiltrate every other area of her life. And that is why you have the abundant perspective that you have, because you see the world that time is abundant, that choice is abundant, that people and places and the things that you love are abundant and there for you. So never forget that our relationship with time is but a mirror to our relationship with many other things. Mm. Thank you, Seth. Happy Daylight Saving.